You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Thank you again for joining me for another half hour of your time. It might go a little over. It tends to often. Uh, I have a, my special guest, Sue Mandel, is coming back today. And as always, I am honored to have her. I'm honored to have you. There's just a whole ton of feeling honored and grateful for everybody right now. Uh, let's get right into it because, Sue, it was so amazing having you here last time. For those of you who don't remember her or have missed that episode, go back and check it out. She's the creator of Choose Your Habits, Choose Your Life. She's got over 31 years of sobriety. She's a master practitioner of NLP with me. She's one of my best friends on the planet. And again, just magic happens when we get together and have conversations. Welcome back, Sue. So great to have you. Thanks, Jesse. I am so glad to be here. I can't tell you how much fun I'm having doing these with you. It is It is really just a joy. The things that we talk about, even when we're talking about really deep, um, really deep, meaningful things, we still manage to, to, to keep a very light hearted and enjoyable tone about things. And, and that's going to come in really handy today because today our topic is going to be about dealing with grief. And that can be about the death of a loved one, a, a spouse, a family member. It could be about losing your job. There's so many, your your dog, your cat, your parakeet, your, your, your favorite TV show gets canceled. There's so many different reasons people can go through grief. And I really think that this is going to be a great topic for you and I to tackle together. Me too. I'm really excited. Is it okay if I share with you something that I learned early on in my sobriety about what to do when something like this happens? Oh, yeah. I love it when you share. Jump in. <laughs> Thanks. Um, when I first got sober, I was seeing a coach and he, he helped me tremendously because um, my best thinking got me there and I needed somebody to help clear up my thinking. But one of the things he taught me was to anticipate what would be the one thing that might happen in my life that might cause me to drink and use again? Because I was positive I never would. And by God's grace, I haven't. But at that time, I was sure that nothing could ever tempt me to go back to the life I, I had led prior. And I didn't really understand what he meant until he explained to me that if something happened to his son, he would be at his most vulnerable. So I wasn't married, I didn't have children, and I had an amazing relationship with both my mom and my dad. So I figured that the thing that would be the scariest for me, the hardest to deal with, would be if something happened to one of my parents. Well, right then and there, in his office, he had me create an action plan. What I would do if something happened to one of my folks. And I'm so grateful that he did, because when I was about six months sober, I went to, I, I am a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I love it. I believe in it. And it's helped me tremendously, though it's not for everybody. It works for me. So I was at my morning meeting and there was a guy in there that was talking every single day about his dad being ill and then his dad going into the hospital and then his dad passing away. And he showed up and shared every day and got through that. So part of my plan was if I found out something was happening or happened to one of my folks, I needed to make sure that I showed up. I, I continued to go to meetings, whether I was in my town or up where my parents used to live. I would make sure that I would reach out wherever I was and talk about what was going on with me because I saw somebody else do it and it worked. He stayed sober. I knew I could stay sober if I did these things and if I stayed close with my sponsor. And I got a phone call when I was just over two years sober that my mom was critically ill. And those things that I, I said I needed to do if something happened kicked into gear like remote control. And it's nothing special I didn't do anything that I wouldn't do given the time to think about it, but I didn't have to think about it. It was already in place. And I really do credit that 
teaching and that learning with helping me maintain my sobriety through the loss of first my one parent and then my other. That's a beautiful it is that's a it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful mindset to get people into right off the bat for this episode about thinking about what is your action plan what it was something I was told right out the gate my very first meeting start having an action plan for when tragedy falls when it when when something bad happens to you what are you prepared to do for it because if in the in the throes of that emotional upheaval you don't have an action plan in place then things could turn turn bad. And we got this coronavirus thing that's still happening. We've got people losing loved ones and you have to have an action plan in place. Um, because if you don't want to just leave it up to when you're in that emotional state, then trying to figure it out. Exactly. Um, especially when I was newly sober, I didn't have a handle on my emotions at all. In fact, somebody had to give me a sheet of paper that had little, um, like happy faces, little circles of faces with all the different emotions, because I didn't know how to recognize what the emotions were, let alone what I was feeling. Um, so yeah, it was really, really helpful to have this in place and to know that I wasn't doing this alone, that there were people there to help me and that all I had to do was reach out. Yes. Know how to reach out, know how to ask for help. And then have things in place that will help you when there is no one around. Because there will be those times where you're sitting at home and it's three in the morning and you wake up and you're just like, oh my God, what am I feeling? How am I going to stop this? I can honestly say, Jesse, if I woke up at three in the morning with one of those feelings, and I haven't for a very, very long time, I'm very grateful. But if I did, I think I would call you regardless what time it was. Yes. Dial me up. Yeah. I used to think I was bothering people, but I know better now. You gotta, somebody calls me at three in the morning. There is a purpose. It is not bothering. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's not like you call me up at three in the morning being like, you know what I'd really like to discuss? I'd really like to discuss giraffes. Like why are their necks so long? (laughs) Right. Why do alpacas and, and llamas look like sheep giraffes somehow made it? Let's discuss that. It's, there's a reason for it. And, 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 you know, the beauty of about a podcast is that there's been many times I've been able to go back and listen to some of my favorite episodes of different sh- podcasts that I listen to, because sometimes it's, there's a comfort in hearing uh, Brooke Castillo's voice or what, so any of the other ones that I listen to. It, it's like business wars. I'll listen to those sometimes just to put me to sleep. Um, and there's so many things that people can start thinking about now before grief hits them. And I've even, I've had people have the audacity to tell me, oh, well, yeah, you think that, you know, this has been so easy for you. Uh, and I don't know why anyone would use the word easy and I've used it in the past and corrected myself, but you know, this, this sobriety thing has been easy for you because no one that you really truly love has died yet. And I'm like, what, don't, what the frick is that? <laughs> what a horrible thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those people got some business and some issues that they need to tend to on their own. It's clearly not about me. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, there's so many different ways to deal with grief. And just having some ideas before you have to deal with something is such a a better way to go into it. Because then you know that there's a way to get to the other side. Exactly. There there are ways to get to the other side and we're going to dive into those now because we've got our top three points. Uh, And then you're going to, you're going to bring this special awesome bonus at the end where we're going to go through seven different things to keep in mind, the seven keys to remind yourself about grief as you're going through it. Um, One of the very first things that we've talked about in the past was about how not, don't try to be so strong that you don't get to process your emotions and emotions are so difficult for people in addiction recovery, whether regardless of where they're at in it, because for so many years, we just bottled them up and pushed them down. And I mean, hell, I'd be willing to bet the majority of the reason why anyone becomes addicted to anything is because we're trying to mute emotions that we don't know how to process. And here we are talking about not trying to be so strong that you don't let yourself process your emotions. How can people possibly figure out how to process their emotions when so many of us lack that skill? Well, a lot of, I'm sorry, a lot of times, um, having somebody that you trust, um, like I had my sponsor, I know that you work with some people, Jesse, 
to kind of help get you started when you're you're starting to go through this process when something has happened because there's like a split second where your inner inner psyche wants to say do I want to go through this stoically or do I want to go through this with my emotions on my sleeve and for me it took me a long time to find a gray area everything was black and white like I was I going to be stoic or was I going to be an emotional basket case? But over time, you learn that there is a middle road and it's okay. Like we were talking about in our previous episode, when something comes up and there's no reason at that moment that you need to feel sad or terrible or bereaved, but it just a thought popped in your mind instead of following that thought down that path that's going to lead you to unhappiness, you still have the ability to say thank you to your subconscious. You know that this is coming up because you were so, you had a good relationship, but you can go choose to go down the other path. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deliberately think about something for no other reason than it's going to hurt me. When I talk to somebody about my mom, And after I lost her, it would hurt, but there was a reason for discussing this. I was talking about my mom, about our relationship, maybe about how she got sick or whatever the case is. But if I'm sitting by myself and I just decide to think about my mom and miss her so much that I'm going to make myself hysterical, that's not good for me. That's when I get to say, no, I'm going to go down another path and go clean two feet in my office. <laughs> I love that. Just, just, just switching the the emotions that you're feeling right now. Um, we're gonna take a pause real fast. Check your connection on your Yeti. It's it, because I'm I'm hearing a little bit of popping. I think it's okay. Keep talking. Let let me. Okay. Talk, 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 talk. Here I am. Talk, yeah, talk. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting that pop. It wasn't. Is there. It... I don't. Is it still popping? Keep talking. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm losing my voice just a little bit, but um, I actually have some hot coffee here. I can pour some and soothe my throat. I think it might be a little. It might be a little bit better. It wasn't happening before, and I don't know why it's happening now. And I'm not even sure how much it'll affect what we hear once I edit it. I just wanted to see if it was if there was a connection with your USB or anything. Okay. Um. I hope it's okay. Yeah, I think it will be. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll move to the next point and then we'll see if it continues. Okay, right. wait wait one second though, because I want to pour a little bit of coffee here. Yeah. I have my thermos all set up. Okay, I'm good. All right, sweet. So um, let's see, let me see. All right, so then uh, let's see. Three, two, one. So again, when you're thinking about not trying to suppress the emotions that you're trying to feel, it's very important to also keep in mind how it is you're thinking about what it is you're thinking about at that moment. Because saying, I'm going to go down this path where I know what I'm getting ready to think about is going to upset me. It's like, I've done that before. Trust me. I love to go off my own little daydream land and I'll think about things I know are going to piss me off, but I'll be like, okay, you get five minutes in this world. So whatever you want to think, get it out of your system because it's going to be time to move on afterwards. That's a great way to to phrase that, Jesse. Um, if I can give you another really quick example. Oh yeah. I had used to have five dogs. So my house was always pretty noisy. And I came home from work one day and the house was dead silent. Okay. There was nothing. I was running around calling the dogs' names, just panicked. I didn't know what happened. A house with five dogs is never dead quiet even in the middle of the night. And I got to the kitchen and there was a note on a half a piece of paper that said, I've left, I've taken the dogs and I'm not coming back. Now that was devastating. And it was quite the process to have to get through. But if I was going to just sit and grieve about the dream that had died from that relationship, and I was just going to keep going down the path that hurt so much because this 
relationship died. My dogs are gone. They, my dogs were my children and it hurt a lot. And I would get just this far down the path and I would be crying hysterically. That's not good for anybody. So when I would get the thought about him leaving, taking my dogs, I would immediately start thinking about something else. Now, what do you, what would you say when people say, well, I love, cause I love doing that, but I feel like there's going to be some people out there are going to be like, well, so now you're telling me not to think about the bad things. Now you're telling me not to think about the sad things that, oh. are, that are happening. And I know that's not what you're trying to do. So I want you to expand upon this. Definitely not because you do want to feel the feelings. They wouldn't hurt so much if you didn't have such a great relationship with whatever it was, a parent, a spouse, um, a coworker, your job, whatever the case is. If there wasn't a true bonding and caring, there would be no pain with loss. It's just part of life. And you do need to feel those feelings to be able to work through the grief process, but you don't need to live in them. That's the difference. I love that. And so that, so uh, we have three main points we make before we get to the seven bonuses, guys. And so the first one was don't try to be so strong that you don't let yourself process your emotions. And then the, the second one was you wouldn't be feeling this much pain and grief about their loss of that relationship had it not meant a, something to you, had not been extremely important. And like Sue said, whether it's a, a you know husband, wife, children, uh, family member, loved ones, a co-worker, a TV show, your dog, your cat, your parakeet, your favorite sea otter, whatever it might be, it meant something to you. And, and there, there's almost like a, I don't know, when my mom passed away, seeing myself go through the grief and not feeling anything for weeks and months on end and then feeling a ton, it, it, it was just, it was almost comforting for me to realize, oh, as much as our relationship had deteriorated in my 20s, there still was a tremendous amount of love and lo- love there. And the loss of her is going to be reverberating out f- from here until, you know, I'm no longer here. And it, it, there was there was like a comfort in knowing, oh, wow, I really did love her that much. That is a, a really comfortable feeling. For one, it validates that you still have emotions and feelings. When I got sober, I wasn't sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> I spent my whole life in make-believe world, but it validates those feelings. And it also allows you to understand why you're feeling what you're feeling. And it, it gets better. It obviously gets better, but I lost my mom 30 years ago and I still miss her today, but I don't have the, the emotional angst and turmoil and, and depression and sadness when I think about her. Right. It's almost like it, it, it's, it's been switched over to now. There's a longing for her to be here for, especially now that I'm sober and I'm achieving so much in my life. There's this longing for her to be a part of it. But when I think about how much I'm missing her, um, it's, it's no longer sorrowful. And I think it's because, and this is, this is our third main point we wanted to talk about. Uh, I've been, I put a lot of effort into bringing up something that about my mother that brings me great joy. So now when I think about her, even when I'm missing her, there is, there's joy that replaces with that. It's not like I, I I do look at the relationship through rose colored glasses, but at the same time, I'm not forgetting all of those other things that, that caused upheavals in our relationship. I'm just choosing to see things uh, through a happier lens now. And that's exactly it, Jesse. You're choosing Why would a sane, rational person want to spend all of their energy choosing to think about all the horrible parts of a relationship or the parts where there was turmoil? There's no point in that. There's nothing that's going to benefit anybody from dwelling in that place. So that's another example of choosing how you're going to react. You know, I have a, I have a cousin and the, her her mother was my aunt and, uh, my aunt, she went down some pretty bad paths on her way to, to dying. And she did some pretty bad things to my cousin. And I feel extremely bad for the things that my cousin had to go through when my aunt was still alive. And my cousin still lives with a tremendous amount of animosity, almost bordering on seething hatred. 
And uh, this woman has been dead now for you know a decade. And I'm just, I really wish that she could release that. Cause I think there would be a lot of healing if she could just start to see um, her mom through these rose colored glasses of like, yes, there were some bad things that alcohol and drugs did to her, but deep down inside, she always loved me. Um, and while she was hurt and she didn't express that appropriately, um, I should I should release it now. Even if your cousin could never get to the place that I know she loved me and she was doing the best that she could, it's still not serving her to live in the hurt from the past because she's living in what happened before. She's not living in what's happening in her life today. There's a big difference. You know, there is a big difference. Right. Expand on that a little bit. Well, if something happens to you as a child, um, something that's very regrettable, maybe um, there was abuse or, or violence in the home, or you didn't have enough to eat, something that wasn't good as a child, maybe you were passed around to different people, whatever the case might be. If I'm going to think about how awful that was and how much I hated what those people did to me, I have closed myself up. Think of like a walnut shell. It is closed so tight. You can't get into it without a pick. But if I could let that go, because I had no choice then I had no control and no power, but today I have control and power over what I'm going to think about. So I don't have to stay back there. I can think about and do things that are coming up in my life today. I don't have to dwell on if I was abused as a child. Thankfully, I wasn't. I have a lot of friends who were. And they've been able to go past that, use that experience to help others with what they have learned in the years through their process of dealing with that situation and they're living in today where they have control, where they have choice and just using the information from the past and not living in the pain of the past. Does that make sense? It it does make sense. And I've talked a lot about this in the past with my listeners about how you'll see somebody who goes through a tragedy. um, Let's say person A um, was sexually assaulted as a child, person B, same sex sexual assault as a child, yet one goes off and becomes an advocate for for children sexually assaulted, speaks up, becomes a lawyer, does great things with it. Another person turns to addiction, uh, drives their lives down into the gutter, and yet it was a very similar sexual assault that happened. And I say, look, it's a choice, and by no means am I belittling or downplaying the tragedy and trauma that you had as a child, but your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal from it. And, and I think that's what you're getting at is that you have this choice to either, you know, grow in the sunshine of making it through this trauma and releasing the grief, or you can die in the shade where you just allow that grief and trauma to become what pretty much de- determines the entire life. That's it. Exactly. I mean, how many times do you see the, the scary old man in that lives next door, like in home alone. Everybody thought he was a mass murderer and it's because he was grievously unhappy and he hadn't let it go. Who wants to go through life being that miserable? And, you know, it is a choice. It's not an easy choice. And if you need help to get to the other side of that, then it is your responsibility to reach out and ask for help because you don't need to live in the pain. You get to live in the sunshine. Yes. And like a plant, we're not rooted. We can actually move through things. I think what's while we're talking about something very deep and meaningful here, I hear your dog snoring in the background and it's making me chuckle. Don't don't wake him up. No, this is, hey guys, this is the real conversation stuff here. We're not editing nothing. So (laughs) it's just really funny hearing the little, I can picture, because he's a little tiny little pucker of a dog and I can hear hear him doing his little snoring. So guys, just be cool with that because we're not going to wake up a dog so that you don't have to hear him snoring in the background. (laughs) You know, I'm sitting here like we're talking about grief and, and trauma and I'm like oh but then there's a there, you know the, look look right there there's happiness all around us right the, the the snoring of a of a pet the purring of a cat like there's there can be beauty in anything that's going on around you if you just choose to see the sunshine rather than see the the, the shade and the shadows 
That's right. When I was growing up and people talked about the glass half full and the glass half empty, I thought that was a silly thing to say because things are what they are. But it really is true. Like you said, Jesse, we can live in the sunshine or we can live in the shade and get moldy. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, you said the quotes. I I think I even put it in my book. You're either you're either thriving in the sunshine or dying in the shade. Yeah. And you have a choice. I'm like a plant where you know, it's there's a tree in its way and it only gets sunshine a certain amount of time. You can choose to always be around sunshine. And when the shade comes, be okay that it's happening. Sit in the uncomfortableness of it, feel those emotions and begin to process your way out of it um cuz the alternative is just burying them deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think we all know how that movie plays out. Right. But don't make a home in the shade. Go yes. through what you need to feel it. Absolutely. And then remember that the shade will pass and the sun's coming right back out. It it does. And, you know, when we were talking about this last night, as we were coming up with our ideas for this show, one of the things that I had told you about that you didn't know was that one of the ways that I've honored my mother and I've really turned um, her death into more of a joyous uh, occasion for me to share with myself, to share with other people, to share with the world is that when we had her cremated, um, I kept majority of her ashes and I travel around to beautiful places. I keep ashes of her in my car. I keep them in my room. I've always got ashes on hand. And when I go to beautiful places, I spread her ashes uh, in, in just the most curious and amazing. I mean, she's She's in a she's she's at a, a airport bar in Singapore. She's at the base of the Kuala Lumpur towers in Malaysia. She's got more benches than any woman possibly could need in Austria. She, and everywhere I go, I become this very adventurous um, person, which I'm already inclined to be. But now it's like instead of just spreading her ashes on a seashore, I'm like, oh, look, there's a lighthouse that's all the way up on the top of that cliff. Let's get up to that lighthouse and let's spread her ashes there because that's a beautiful view for her. And it's really turned her death that um, is very sad and it's very tragic. And I wish she was still alive. But now she gets to be a part of this whirlwind life that I'm creating for myself where otherwise um, she wouldn't be. That you told me that last night, Jesse, and I felt this warm glow expand in my chest because from years of experience, I know that's where I feel my joy. That is such an amazing thing that you figured out to do. I just love that. And I highly recommend for anybody out there experiencing sadness of loss of a loved one that even if you don't have ashes like I do, and we brought this up, like you, didn't you say your mother loved owls? She did. Owls and, right? and hummingbirds. Owls and hummingbirds. My mom was a huge fan of turtles. And so when I first started doing this ashes spreading thing, I would just take pictures of where I put her ashes. But then I came back from Europe with like 35 pictures of benches in Austria and Switzerland. And I didn't know where her ashes were and where they weren't. So now when I spread ashes, I put a turtle in the picture and I carry a turtle with me. I've got two of them tucked into the front windshield of my car. I've got multiples that I can put into a backpack. Hell, my 12,000 mile motorcycle trip around the country that I did in 2012. I spread my mom's ashes in over 150 places that summer, 29 states, both oceans. And there's this, and I, there's this turtle I call Tortette because her name was Lynette. And so it just <laughs> worked perfectly. And now I've got, I mean, I've got hundreds and hundreds of these pictures. And so for you out there, you're looking for a really cool way to uh, have your loved one share in these beautiful things that you're doing. Go out and find an owl. Go find, what, what was their favorite animal? Something about them you can find a trinket of it and you then you can hike or whatever it is you get to this destination with that trinket on you and then you can sit there and you can take a selfie with it and you can always remember that you did that in memory of them you also mentioned that as an example your hike up to the lighthouse you talked to your mom the whole way you you're still bonding with her yes yes i i, I talk to mom very frequently especially on those journeys um, you know, and lots of times it's just, you know, I just talk to her about what I've been doing and, you know, uh, just, you know, it's like, I, and I, and I feel the energy whenever I really am channeling with her when I'm just like, Hey mom, this is me just, just checking in and, you know, talk to her about what I've been going through the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. And there's an energy that comes through specifically thinking about her and, and on these hikes or whatever, you know, whatever the activity might be, it, it, it's very powerful and I feel it. It's beautiful, Jesse. I do something similar, but a little bit different. 
you're creating these wonderful new memories with your mom, which I'm going to follow your lead. I love that idea. Um, But what I've done in the past, and it's been real helpful for me, is I've kind of created an album of happy memories with my mom, mental images and pictures that I can bring up in an instant, again, without having to think about it, because I've already kind of created this album in my mind. I can bring them up. So if I'm having a sad moment, all I do is think about my mom and I walking on the beach at Big Sur and the storms and the, the oceans getting really crazy and the thundering of the waves. I can't be sad anymore when I think of that. I just have this whole album of memories that I can bring up of my mom or my dad, even my other dogs that I've lost in that other um, situation we spoke about. So it's it's a, a really nice tool, both creating new memories and keeping our old ones alive and happy. Alive and happy. I think that's one of the keys because... I've heard from other people and it's happened to me as well. So I I shouldn't just make this a second person kind of situation about how it's like, well, the memory of them seems to fade and fade. And it's like, well, just go and find those pictures because when you remember something and we learned this in NLP, you can start changing details. And so the, the original memory of it 25 years later can actually be quite different because every time you remember it, you have to piece back together everything. But we have cameras now. I have tons of childhood photos. I can remember Rover, my dachshund, and we used to put it. We used to we tore this big pillow apart one time, and then put all the 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 foam around him. So his little head's the only thing that poked out. So whenever I want to have a happy thought about Rover dog, I can just picture him as a little puppy in all of this fluff. And um, God, the, the 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 glowing warmth that comes around me. It's a uh, it's amazing that we can actually recreate the amazing feelings or conversely, the horrible feelings in an instant. If we want to, we have that ability. We do. And we, we, we talk about this so much on this show. So for those of you who've listened to all of the episodes, you know that it's like you're choosing the emotion to have, right? You have this thought and if the thought's bad, it's going to create a negative emotion. If it's, positive, it's going to create a, a positive emotion. And you literally, you can sit there and you can choose which one do you want to sit there and stew in the negative or you want, you want to sit there and thrive in the good. It's there. It is. And I have an idea for you, Jesse. We were going to talk about the seven quick tips to deal with, with grief. Right. We've kind of used up a lot of time. Why don't we <laughs> save that for our next episode and just go into them in a little more detail? Yes, we can definitely do that because there's so many different things about grief that we have that we can touch upon. So many of us have been dealing with it since we were children and we did, we never figured out how to process it then because face it, emotional maturity is something our society as a whole lacks. And so we were probably raised by emotionally immature parents who were raised by emotionally immature parents. And it just talk about something that's genetic. <laughs> it just keeps getting passed down from generation to generation, this emotional immaturity. That's true. And I grew up in an era and my parents grew up in an era where everything was fine. You didn't talk about what was wrong. It was leave it to Beaver, June Cleaver. Everything looked perfect on the outside. And so you're right. We never learn to process these feelings because boys don't cry and girls have to be graceful. The boys don't cry thing. Again, I'm a boy, so I'll, I, I can focus on how that one's affected me. Um, I remember as a child, anytime I would I would cry, my dad would call me a girl, would, would, would tell me I was gay. Um, you know, it was just, it was like, oh, so showing emotions is going to get me called a girl or gay. And, you know, as a little boy, oh, that's the last thing you want to be referred to as. Um, and it's just now, you know, here we are, I'm a 43 year old man who's emotionally underdeveloped and stunted in many different ways, trying to figure out how to process emotions. I haven't cried since my mom died. And that was February 14th, 2007. Um, three times, four times I have cried and I was drunk all four of those times. Um, and so I would love to get a good cry in. <laughs> We'll get you there. (laughs) Something that you're doing that a lot of people don't have the benefit or the ability to do is learning how to do all of these things now. 
not being content with just feeling bad. You have taken it upon yourself to learn how to how to mentally, physically, emotionally deal with situations that we never learned when we were drinking and using. Totally. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> I, I felt like saying totally right there. It wasn't even fully, fully maximizing what you just said because my brain was already like, oh my God, she's speaking like gospel. I love what she's going. So tell the listeners when you're, because you, you have this choose your habits, choose your life program you've developed. You're, you're, you help people who are, who are suffering from addiction and in mm-hmm. addiction recovery. What are some of the um, steps that you coach your clients on when it comes to processing through grief, releasing through it, and being able to come out the other side uh, with, you know, th- with this joyous mentality that we've been talking about? You know, it's funny because a lot of it, yes, I do help people in recovery. And that means the world to me. But once you take the drugs and alcohol or the gambling or the cigarettes or the sugar or whatever it is out of the picture, it's all the same thing. It's learning to live life on life's terms. And so once you get rid of whatever the substance or activity is that you're addicted to, it's it's beneficial. And what I do is I help the people that I work with understand when they have a choice to be angry. As an example, I work with a gal that is a stepmother to three beautiful children, and she has a very loving uh, relationship with her husband. And her husband's ex-wife, according to her, is a wackadoo. That's not her (laughs) word, but that's the way she describes her. That's a scientific term. I've heard that before. Yeah, it's right up there with thingamajiggy. (laughs) but she was always doing things that were not in the best interest of the children when they were at her house. And through a lot of coaching and examples, we got, I got her, she was able to understand that what this woman is doing in her own home is none of her business. If it doesn't directly affect the health of the children, What the woman says, the way she acts, the way she responds has nothing to do with with the client that I worked with. Nothing at all. It has to do with the way the client perceives the way the ex-wife is talking or acting. And she can choose to get in the middle of it or she can choose not to. You know, it's like I choose not to get in the middle of the craziness of the coronavirus. I choose to do what I think is responsible by social distancing, by washing, sanitizing, and all those things. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't need to get in the middle of it. That's great. And I really want people to really take note of what Sue just said, that you can only control what's happening in your life and the choices you make, the words you say, your thoughts, feelings, actions, your results, that's yours. What somebody else is doing in their other house, what's happening um, hundreds of miles away, I think, in a, whether it was earlier in this episode or in the previous one that you were on, when you talked about the Rodney King riots and mm-hmm. how you were 90 miles away and why would you watch the news about that when that's not even directly affecting your life? Do you need to see all of that? It's like, take yourself out of situations that you really have no right being in. When you go by an accident on the freeway, why do you have to stop and look when you don't want to see it? Why can't you turn your head the other way? It's the same principle. It's the exact same principle. Yeah. Why do people rubberneck at train accidents and car accidents? It's like, what on earth do you really want to see that for? Because they want to be a part of it. They can tell you what they saw, what they felt when they saw it. Um, It's like somebody saying, do you remember when the the towers fell? I know exactly what I was doing. Now, yes, that affected everybody in this country beyond measure. But a lot of people tried to, I wasn't in New York. I wasn't there. I could tell you what I felt when I saw it at home. But that still isn't as important as what, how I had to deal with it. Does that make sense? sense i mean it, it it does because like i wasn't there when it happened and it certainly emotionally affected me like i believe it affected everybody mm-hmm. else but there there was also a, there was like a 
I don't know. I just remember at the time there, I, uh, telling myself there's going to be a limit of the amount of anger and, 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 and spite and all the negative emotions. I was like, there's, there's going to be a limit on how much I'm going to allow myself to feel about this because it didn't directly affect me. I didn't know anyone who passed away in it and it was tragic and horrible. And I still look at that as one of the worst days in our country's history, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't let it completely wreck my entire life. Now for someone who had it directly affect them, I've heard again, like I just brought up earlier in this episode, some people took that and they rose above it and they began to help other people get through the the pain and the PTSD. And other people turned to the more negative side. They, they, They let it destroy their lives. They got deeper and deeper into addiction. And it's like, you have, the choice of how you're going to live through the experience. And if you make a little plan about what you're going to do, if any type of tragedy or unexpected circumstance happens in your life, then you're already one step ahead. This is a a message that way beyond just for addiction recovery, people for people trying to get sober, people who are sober, people looking for the addiction recovery journey to start. This is for every human out there. This is so much of this show is really geared towards everyone. If they would just release the whole idea that it's just geared towards addiction recovery people, because what you just said, having a plan in place for when tragedies uh, befall you and grief is, is waving in at you like a tidal wave. Um, when you have a plan in place, it's, it's, it's substantially easier to begin to process it. That's like what I was saying. Once you take out whatever you're addicted to, the activity or the chemical, it just comes down to living life the best way you can. The best way you can. You know, you said earlier, because when people say the, and you said living life on life's terms, I don't really know how to, to grasp that. I don't know how to put my head around that. What, what do you mean by it? And and what's an example of, of that? Life's terms right now is the coronavirus. It's something that I have no control over. It's life on life's terms. And I get to choose how I react or respond. And there's a difference between reacting and responding. I try to respond. You know, I try to have a deliberate being about me rather than reacting like shooting from the hip. And so that's what you mean by living life on life's terms. Right. When my ex left with all my dogs, I had to live life on life's terms. It sucked and I had to learn to get past it. And over the years, I have felt pieces of me slipping back into place because it's been a process, but I haven't wallowed in it this whole time. I've still been moving forward because I choose to live life moving forward, not living backwards. That's what I mean by living life on life's terms. Whatever it puts in front of you, you deal with it the best you can with the resources that you have. Oh, that's some great NLP stuff. Everybody's doing the best they can with the resources they have. Mm-hmm. I've talked about that extensively. I know in episode 49, I specifically talked about reaction versus response. It is something that I talk about all the time. I, th- I think that reaction is emotionally triggered and mm-hmm. it comes from a, from a place where your emotions are driving the car. Whereas response is when you are using your mindful thinking and self-awareness to make sure that you respond accordingly. And so I love that you're bringing that into the conversation because now I can fully understand, okay, living life on life's terms. It's like, okay, this just happened. This isn't what I want to be happening, but let's figure it out. Right. Right. Cause it's, that is the situation. You know, I've got a friend that 23 years after her divorce said to me, you know, sometimes I, I think about what it would be like if we were still married. I'm sorry. That's not healthy. <laughs> wow. No. That's not living life on life's terms. That's living life in a dream or in a wish. And there are so many different times in our lives, you know, that you, I can picture these huge forks, right? Like, oh, do I do, do you know, do I want to drink soda water or water right now? That's a that's a that's like a microscopic fork in the road. <laughs> then there's these ones that are like gigantic where you're like University of Florida or Ball State University. Take this acid at the Grateful Dead show in 1994 or don't take the acid at the Grateful Dead show. You have these huge crossroads, these huge forks that are created and sitting there and and wishing that you could go back and take the different fork. Like I have many times, especially in the very 
uh, at the end of my addiction and at the beginning stages of my addiction recovery and sobriety, I, I, I would beat myself up. Why didn't I manage my drinking better? Why didn't I manage my drugs better? Why, didn't, why did I insist on always working through Thanksgiving and Christmas so I could do a bunch of drugs on New Year's Eve? Then why didn't I go home and visit my mom for Christmas? Because now she's dead and I would love to have just had one of those Christmases with her. You beat yourself up over things that cannot be changed because time machines don't exist. And they're very, that's very effective for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Great. Nothing, nothing better than sitting there and just stewing in a decision that's that I can't even decide to change what I said to you five minutes ago. I can only control what I'm going to say to you now, what I'm going to do now. And that's how with this coronavirus, it's like it's happening. We can't go back and magically make it not happen. We can't say, hey, Jess, you get to keep your job. Uh, I don't even know. I'm day two of this whole thing. And so from losing the job, I'm not even sure. People keep asking me, well, how are you doing? How do you feel about it? I, I don't know. In a month, if I've got my websites fixed and I've got my book published and it's a bestseller and I've, and I've, and I've learned all this cool stuff, I might be thrilled. It, that's because I'm choosing to start moving forward on all these projects. Because if I just sat here in my room and watch Netflix for 12 hours a day for 30 straight days, I can guarantee you I'll be feeling a lot worse about this quarantine than I would if I had chosen to be productive during it. Don't just stay with Netflix. Get Disney Plus, too. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Jesse. It's all about how we're going to do the next step. So in in wrapping this up, you're talking to your clients, you're helping them get through it. You're, you're, you're getting them to understand living life on life's terms. What's like, what if, if every addict out there right now could hear your answer to this question and it somehow got simulcasted to all of them, what is the one thing you'd want them to know about getting through and dealing with grief? There is always the other side. Always. If you put one foot in front of the other, you can always get through whatever's in front of you. It's beautiful. You say everything so succinctly and <laughs> so perfectly. I swear <laughs> you are. Like I said at the beginning, of, uh, before we got on the microphone, one day you're going to go from guest to co-host and you're just going to have you on once or twice a month just to talk about cool stuff. Thank you so much, Sue, for coming back and talking about grief with my listeners. This is something that I really feel um, determines so much about the, the flow of our lives is how we're dealing with our emotions when it comes to grief of whether it be the death of a loved one or the loss of a relationship or a pet or a job or, you know, I, I know I jokingly say say, you know, the favorite show gets canceled, but I know some people who did not take the Game of Thrones ending very well. I so. know. <laughs> it's true. There's people that get so wrapped up in the lives on TV or in the movies or whatever it is, they forget to live their own lives. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I, when, I, when people tell me they watch reality television, I'm like, man, we, we gotta, we gotta work on creating a, a more exciting life for you. Because if watching other people argue on television is compelling to you, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> you know, that's the same thing as rubbernecking an accident. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a really great, what a really great line you just drew that watching the Kardashians scream at each other is very similar to watching a car accident. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Nothing. So live your life. You know, you asked me the other day what my basic philosophy is of living through life um, since I've been sober. And it's really exactly that choosing what I'm going to put my energy into. You say it so well. <laughs> and, for, and for everyone out there listening, this will, this, you will notice a running theme when Sue and I talk. It's about what are you choosing to feel about this? What are you choosing to think about this? Because your thoughts cause feelings which drive actions and you have to be aware of those these thoughts 40,000 a day means you're going to have 40,000 feelings a day we'll park on certain feelings and we'll let other ones fly by and sometimes we're parking on the ones we shouldn't and the the ones that are flying by are the ones we should be holding on to that's a great way to say that Jesse i love that you're absolutely right now, we, 
what do you when you you know, well, you know let's close up on this when yes. you find yourself parking on a negative emotion and letting the really positive ones drive by you what do you what what do you what is your one thing that you're using to flip your mindset having that mindset shift in that moment so you go back and you grab that positive and I'm like I'm running in my room right now you're grabbing that positive one and you're pushing that negative one away. You know, it depends upon how serious something is, obviously. But if I find myself dwelling on something that is not making me feel any better, if it's making me feel worse, I will either give myself a time limit, like, okay, I'm going to get through this evening. I'm going to allow myself to feel crappy and then I'm done. You know, I, it's time to then choose to feel better. Or if it's um, something that is really simpler, in my everyday life, then I just go down that separate path. I don't go down the path that's going to lead me to unhappiness and being distraught. I turn and go down a path that's productive or that makes me feel good about myself. That's great. That's great. You know, all of this that we've talked about today, it, it all comes from from really embracing and developing a growth mindset, seeing that you're in charge of your own choices, seeing that you, you're more in charge of your thoughts and your feelings than you ever thought before. And I really hope that you guys have taken what Sue said to heart and that you can begin to implement this into your life today because it, it really does help. I mean, trust me, I'm three years into sobriety. She's over 30 years and we're using the same kind of mindset shifting and strategies. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your sobriety and recovery journey. The important thing is, is that you just start to develop and, and get a hold of new resources because we're all great the way we are, but it doesn't mean that we can't keep up leveling. Man, you just brought up something else. We could talk for another hour. What was, what was it? So I can put it in the notes for our next episode. Our strategies, why we do what we do, why we, we decide to dwell in those kinds of feelings or why we decide not to, what makes us motivated? What ma- how do we make a decision? We all have a strategy or a recipe of how we do that. We should talk about that in another show. Ooh, how we make decisions. I'm writing it down. We went from we went from like what are we going to talk about for the next five episodes and then it's all like what are, how are we going to stop recording episodes? <laughs> I know we've our thirty minutes has turned into fifty two again. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I really hope that you've enjoyed this, Sue. Thank you. I mean, really, from the bottom of my heart, for making time and 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 just honoring me with with your presence here and sharing your knowledge with my guests. It is just a blessing to have you in my life and to have you on this show. Thank you so much, Jesse. I can't tell you what it means to be to be a part of your life. It's special. You're special. Oh, you are <laughs> one of my. We are besties forever. Yeah, I love it. Yep. All right. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this episode. I really hope that you have enjoyed Sue Mandel. Uh, Make sure that I put her website address in the notes so that you guys can find her if you're interested in anything, any of the conversations that she's had with me today. I guarantee you she will share more if you reach out to her. It is always, always a pleasure to have you here. I am honored for your time. Thank you for sticking around for an extra 23 minutes today. (laughs) Remember, please, inclusivity over exclusivity always wins. The power of positive energy, release and flow. I love you all. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 